0: This session is about Tamea Mitzvot in the Zohar, um, which is, I guess, um, this is my guess, to some of you, maybe the first time uh, studying Zohar. Not just hearing about the Zohar, but reading and studying it. I don't know, this is my guess. Is this true? Just to know, where are we? Okay. So, um, you know, many legends is around the Zohar, from Madonna, to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, it's a whole thing uh, with the Zohar, which uh, I'll try today also to give you the opportunity to get into the Zohar in not, you know, not, I would say, you know, like the brand names, but really uh, digging into the Zohar, having the opportunity to taste the sweetness of the Zohar. Um, and this is for everyone who likes commentary and loves the Zohar. So basically we'll speak about Tameh uh, mitzvot but it will give you also an opportunity to touch a little bit from the Zohar. And from the people that I know that tasted the Zohar, they wanted to taste it again. So that would be a great, uh, great uh, experience, I think Chavaya, yeah, a great thing to do. Now I gave you, everyone has this um, booklet of things and I would like to start a little bit uh, just giving like an overview about the Zohar and then going inside Tameh HaMitzvot. So I will speak uh, now a little bit briefly, generally, and then like we're doing filming, I will go zoom in to Tameh HaMitzvot in the Zohar, but first let's take the big shot of Zohar mysticism in, in, Judaism. So I would say that the word mysticism is a word which is not a Jewish word. No one uses the word mysticism traditional. Traditionally no one uses the word mysticism but rather we speak in the Hebrew um, concept of sod, sod uh, the synonym for sod is raz. Sod is a Torah sod We call it Torah sod and even the word Kabbalah which is very common to describe the Jewish mysticism, is not originally what we're talking about because Kabbalah is something that I got, I received. And that's how the word was used in previous times to describe basically Torah Sheba something that was traditionally um, through generations, followed through generation. This is Torah Sheba mainly Kabbalah, that was the concept to describe Torah Sheba just from the age of the Middle Ages, we are we're starting to speak about Kabbalah in the concept that of mysticism. Nevertheless, not yet the word Kabbalah and the other very common name Sefirot are not mentioned at all in the main Chibur, in the main book of the Kabbalah, which is Sefer HaZohar that we'll study today. So two words that are, you know, everyone speaks about Kabbalah, Kabbalah here and Sefirot uh, are not mentioned at all in in the Zohar. But something that we're coming to describe it from outside. Um, So not the word mysticism, not the word Kabbalah, not the word Sefirot, rather like to speak about Torah HaSod or a vision of Sod. And I want to make a little bit of like a brief chronological um, overview about what I will call in a not-Jewish tradition, mysticism in in, in, in the Jewish life, in Judaism. And I will claim as follows. I will claim like this. Mysticisms appear in the Bible and it appears in the rabbinic thinking, which is the Talmud. It develops in Middle Age. It takes another trend in the 16th century, in fact, and it takes another role in the modern age. And now I'll explain what I'm, what I'm saying. What I'm saying here sits on a big discussion between scholars is the Kabbalah is something new for the Jewish tradition. Gershom Sholem, the big scholar of Kabbalah, which basically founded the field of learning Kabbalah. I don't know if you know this joke about him coming to America and Lieberman, I think was the one who introduced him. So he said, this is uh, Professor Gershom Sholem and uh, you know, the Kabbalah is Lieberman. The Kabbalah is nonsense, but the scholarship of nonsense is, uh, and that's the way he introduced him. which is, is of course, from my point of view, you know, everyone can say whatever he wants, but misunderstanding for the uh, deepness uh, of the Kabbalah and for the Jewish life as well. But nevertheless, 'er B'Rashem Sholem was the founder of the scholar field of Jewish mysticism. And his claim was that the Kabbalah was something that was imported from outside in the 13th century. And it's not so regionally to Jewish tradition where I come from another school, which is the second generation of of Kabbalah, scholarship, which speaks about traditional streams inside Jewish life that basically takes the Kabbalah from the 13th century before. I'm speaking about a book like, I don't know if you know, Moshe Idel, Professor Moshe Idel wrote a book in the name New Perspective. The New (coughs) Perspective was about saying this. There is a new perspective for a Kabbalah, which is not claiming that the Kabbalah is a new innovation in the 13th century, but rather wants to go and dig back to basically the roots of the Kabbalah in ancient times. And and this claim, I mean, this dispute has to be um, explicitly organized and explained. And I would claim like this. Um, If I look at the Bible, I would take like just three three examples. I will take Ichezkel which Ichezkel described a vision that he see the vision is called later later in the Talmud Maaseh Merkava Ichizkel see a kind of a vision of a Merkava coming with a very strange four figures around it that has a face <coughs> of a Nesher Shor, animals, human being coming towards him um and there's a, there's lights, like Mahmad Sinai, the noise and it's like pure technica, I don't know, kind of thing, and this is the vision that the
1: can see.
0: Just to mention very interesting thing, the word hashmal in Hebrew. The word hashmal in Hebrew, electricity, you know, is not originally from the you know, the Bible, the Hebrew uh, from the Bible or the Hebrew, from the Talmud, because there was no electricity in those times. And when Eliezer ben Yehuda wanted to find a name for Hashmal, he found it in Yicheskel Perak Aleph. Hashmal, Hashmal, he described in Yicheskel Perak Aleph. This is the, the kind of a light that can see. So this is a kind of a vision that we, when we look at the Bible, it's a vision that we can't really describe. it very, you know, very. Um, Explicit, what exactly Yeheskel saw. It's a kind of a prophetic visionary that Yeheskel saw. Another, another place I want to bring an example. I promised just three because we won't have time for everything. Is Yishayahu, Yishayahu that we quote, you know, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Basically, also is a vision that Yishayahu is saying. Very daring. Because in Moshe, we said, Ki lo yire'eni adam v'chai. And in Isaiah, is saying, Va'er'ei et Hashem. There's a dispute about the Talmud about this. How can Moshe couldn't see, but Isaiah can see? But basically saying, Isaiah saw something very low, but Moshe wanted to go in beyond. Anyhow, Isaiah sees a, a vision. Va'er'ei Hashem, shulav mele'im et He's fooling everybody. Memaleh, everything around him. And then Kadosh, 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 and all these things. Another vision that Shayah would see. And the third example that I will bring is, of course, Moshe. And you see here that I'm doing a kind of uh, similarities between prophets and mystical vision. And the third thing is Moshe, when, of course, Ma'amad when he asked Hashem to show him and Hashem is saying and nevertheless he brings in the Yudgim El midot. and the Chazal Chazal the sages are saying that Moshe is a Greek word like a sparkling shining uh, thing that he saw the other prophet couldn't see what Moshe saw another like three I'm taking I'm taking Yechezkel and I'm taking Moshe one can think about Maaseh Bereshit But a kind of a glimpse of like a mystical experience inside the Tanakh. Um, I would leave it like this and I will jump now to the sages in our search for mystical in Jewish life, claiming that it's not just in the 13th century, but rather has its root before. And I go to the sages and again, I'll just bring a few examples to base my claim. Uh, which would be, basically, you know, Masachet Chagigah has this very famous story about Arba'a Shuniknasu L'Apardes. Four that entered the Pardes. Those were very famous people, not, you know, people from the uh, Shulain Marginals, it was Rabia Akiva, not other than Rabia Akiva, guiding his disciple, Ben Azai, Ben Somar and Elisha Ben Avuya, a character from itself. Um, to go into a pardes, we don't understand what is pardes, pardes is an orchard, it's a Persian word, it's a nice garden. He warned them not to say something. And then we hear basically the sages saying what happened to each of them, which we know, not good things. Uh, Rabbi Akiva is the only one who entered and left the pardes with no harm. The other one, he nifgah, met. Uh, all kinds of again vision in the Talmud Chagiga Maseket Chagiga Daf telling us about a story about four people entering a place later the word Pardes will be uh, but it's not in the Gemara itself what is this? Another story we hear about Rabbi Azar ben Arach who to studied Torah and fires come from earth, from heaven from the Shaman from the sky burns everything. It's also a kind of healthy Night. We hear about things that Chazal are saying. Don't speak about it too much. It's a sod So what's the claim? The claim is as follows. I'm not saying the Talmud is a mystical book. I'm saying that Talmud the first thing is trying to consist, constitute, maybe, the Jewish life, in every realm in Jewish life. This is the big project of the Talmud. But between the lines we hear about traditions and schools of mysticism that was working side by side with the Halakha project of the Gemara. Again, I'm not claiming the Talmud is a mystical book, it's a law, it's a Jewish law, but we see, we hear stories of people again. Main figures, Rabbi Akiva, the disciples of Rabbi Echolam ben Zakai that deals with this kind of vision, studying in a different way. So this is the Talmud, we did the second stage. The third stage is a stage that we are interested in, and this is the medieval and I will speak a little bit um, in the beginning till the Zohar and then um, I'll go further so that I can say that the most famous mystic in the Middle East is not not but not other than thank you not other than Ramban Ramban Nachmani a very kind of weird way, the who uh, tries in all his commentary to say, "I'm not going to tell you the sod," I'm not going to tell you the sod. Here and there, gave us a glimpse to the tradition, to the mystical, to the sod tradition that he has. I mean, the Rambans, Ramban starts in his commentary to say, "Ve'al derech haemet," he can bring a very, very long commentary, perush comment. Commentary, and in the, at the end he can, see, and can say <coughs> and then he, you know, he throw a little bit of glimpse to the sword, but he definitely as opposed to the sword we will see it in a minute is not interested in revealing those swords so I'm saying he's so famous for, for a mystic in medieval because if you say to somebody I have a very, very important secret and I'm not going to tell it to you but there is a secret like this. And there is a way that the Ramam call it Derech Haemet, the path of truth. <coughs> of course, you, know, you want to know it. No, mechaset <coughs> Ramban, as a, has such an important figure, halachic man, Chidushes Talmud commentator that everyone is reading on Shabbat afternoon was one of the main, you know, streams that put the Kabbalah in the mainstream in Jewish life. Ramban, you know, it's not somebody, it's the Ramban, who basically tells us, in the Torah there is Sod. He started from the Bereshit, the first beginning, telling, at what, telling us what is Bereshit. Bereshit, starting all over the parash- Parashanut for the Torah. So saying, I have something, look at this fast, and I want show it to you again, is making basically a very, very a lot of curiosity to reveal this sod, and, and that's what happens a generation after the Ramban, just one generation it was enough, 30 years and now we have like five different people that basically explain what the Ramban meant. The most famous one of these, this list is Rabenu Bechaye, Ibn Tekuda that writes in his commentary to the Torah, everything that Ramban wanted to keep to himself but this is before the Zohar just telling you that there is a tradition of Sod before the Zohar and then comes the Zohar which now I'll spend a few minutes to speak about the Zohar later to Ramban Zohar is a fascinating book that was created And now comes the, dis- the big second dispute that I'm uh, putting you in is the dispute who wrote the Zohar Gershom Sholem, Gershom Sholem uh, claimed that it was a person by the name Rabbi Moshe Di Leon that we will read him in a minute Rabbi Moshe Dileon a Spanish
1: figure
0: Yehuda Libes from the second generation of the scholarship of the Kabbalah the friend of Moshe Idel basically claimed it was a group of people in Spanish aristocrat people Uh, Rabbi Moshe Dillian was part of that basically they met and they basically wanted to imitate what they are writing about and now we'll speak about the Zohar what is the Zohar so I will say a few things about the Zohar the Zohar is first of all commentary for the Torah it goes from Bereshit and basically goes as a commentary to the Parashot it's not a kind of parshanut that we see in Mikraot Gedolot it's not on every pasuk but it's a kind of a free, associative, um, fascinating parshanut that is not obligated to take pasuk by pasuk okay, it's not Rashi this is one thing the other thing the parshanut combines with stories whoever likes stories are very welcome in the Zohar people who like stories like stories the beginning, something is happening, there's a pilot there's a tension, there's a knife, somebody's crying, somebody's... you know, stories so the Zohar combines stories the story basically is about a group of people the group of people is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Tzadik, the main figure of the Zohar and his disciples, ten in ten, you can you can number it in a ten in different places in the Zohar. But basically, meet, and they have a hobby. Some like go fishing. I heard today that the main thing that the American like to do uh, is not uh, listening to music, is not eating, is not sex, is not studying. Is shopping. So there are people that like shopping. There are people that like music. There, but they have a hobby. Those kind of ten people. And their hobby is a very Jewish hobby, which is studying. They love studying. And what do they study? The holy Torah, the Torah Kedusha. But what the way they study the Torah? The way that they study the Torah is the way of innovations, chidushim Torah. They love coming up with new ideas about what you and me thought is very clear in the Pshat. They love it. They play with it all around. They play with the words. They play with the letters. They play with the psukim. Very similar, if I can think about a similar book, it would be Midrash. The Midrash. Midrash Rab, uh, midrash on the, on the Chumashiv. would be a kind of the most similar thing that I found to the Zohar, but again, not exactly the same because it has mysticism inside, and we'll come to it in a minute. So that's it, basically it's Parshanut on the Torah, commentary to the Torah. The stories, the main figures of the stories is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his disciples, and their hobby is to study Torah in a very, very inspiring way. I heard of, uh, about one of the streams in literature, in modern literature. I forgot their names, but they used to uh, meet together one used to write a sentence, then they fold the paper, then they pass it to the other one, then he wrote something, this kind of thing. So this is not what they did, but I'm just giving you the innovativeness. Can you say such a thing? Innovativeness? Yeah. Of, of their uh, writing. So this is two things that I said, commentary for the Torah, and then the hobby of making chidushei Torah. The first one who calls chidushei Torah chidush, the Ramban, very interesting. The Ramban, before the Ramban, there's no such a word. Chidush is a Torah. A third thing about the Zohar, that may, maybe differs it from the Midrash, is that there is a wish. There is a kind of a wish that basically drives the whole book, meniha, motivates the whole book. It's a wish. I know it's the time of wishing this year. Um, this is my experience coming to America. You know, it's like uh, I spent uh, two days at home with my son watching all these uh, TV shows and everything. It's something new for me. So this is the kind of a wish. What's the wish of the Zohar? The wish of the Zohar, I would say it in a Hebrew verse because I told you that the language that they speak. It's, it's the Hebrew parashanut and the Hebrew sukim verses of the Tanakh. So the wish of these people is laor beor Hashem. Laor beor Hashem. It's a unique, unique verse that basically takes the noun or and make it into a verb. Laor. No one, no one speaks like this laor beor I would translate is to be with God's light to be part of God's light another verse that is basically repeats itself and I can call it a motif you know in the uh, a light motif in the book is the pasuk that you all know from Genesis Bereshit v'nahar yotze me'eden le'ashkot et hagan it says in the, the Gan Eden that God created Gan Eden, the trees, all kinds of things in the Gan Eden very similar by the way to the Fardes that we discussed in Masechet Chagiga but in the middle of this Gan Eden was a river and the wi- river flows from Eden and it watered the Gan and for the um, the Kabbalists in the Zohar, this is a, was a kind of a wish that they wanted to be a part of, to be a part of this river that starts with, from a point of Eden, from the most pleasure and <coughs> ancient and amazing place, and to join this flow of river to the Gan. Basically the Gan, for their perspective, is the Shekhinah, is this world. And a river flows from Eden to the Garden. This is a kind of a wish, like la'or be'or in Hashem, to be part of the light, to be part of the river. And a river there is no Eden. not such a place, pleasure place like Eden. A river flows from Eden the Garden. And I will skip the third pasuk when I cross to I fourth to bring and this is the Zohar, I described commentary for the Sukkim. I described the hobby, I described the people, and I described the wish that basically is the pulse of this book, Laor Beor Hashem, to join the Nahar Yutzei Ma'edin, Leashkotet Agan. So basically what I'm saying is that there is a, what we call today, a mystical wish in this book that is not so strong in the Midrash, for example, that loves, you know, digging with the Pesukim and doing all this, but I won't call the Midrash mystical book, as I would call the Zohar, because there is a, a less wish, La Or de Hashem, to take part of this actual current flowing, but more digging with the Pesukim and having fun with the Roshanot, but not this mystical, you know, wish to be part of this exciting flow of the Nahar Yotem Me'edin, of O Hashem. That's why I call the Zohar, there's a wish of being part of this. I'm saying all this because it's, it's all introduction to Tame'am, it's in the Zohar. There's a mystical pulse in this book to be part of something that is not for the common eyes of human being. Because when I go, I see the Hudson River, but I don't see Nahayo Teme Eden. When I go outside, I see the sun, I know it's the morning time. I have to drink my coffee. I don't know this is La Orbe or Hashem. But the people in the Zohar, they like to see in the light O Hashem. And they like to see in the river around Nahal Teme Eden. And more than that, they like to see in all life a kind of a flowing river. This is a kind of something that is not for everyone's life.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not for everyone's life. That's why the zohar is a kind directed to elite, elite people, elite of people, of group of people. So. Until now, I think we're okay with giving a kind of uh, introduction to the Zohar. One thing is missing, and I will do it very fast, we so take a look in the first page here, and you will see the very famous Sayyad Rama of the Sefirot. And this is the last thing I think that I would say before I'm describing uh, Mitzvot, before we go to the Mitzvot. And what we see here, in front of us, is a a diagram, but for the Kabbalists, it's life itself. Trying to capture something that they feel is the structure of life. This is the spin of the human life and the earth. This is what holds everything. This is basically the river that they want to be a part of. And what we see here is basically 10 Sefirot that starts with Keter goes Chochma, Binah, Chesed, Gvora Tiferet, Netzach, Hod, Yesod and Shechina What I would like to say is as follows The philosophy, the Jewish philosophy tried basically to reduce as much as we can our assumptions, about visions, about things in the world, into one. The big triumph of philosophy was to say one thing that will include everything. For example, who was going very, very back, said everything is water. You know, scientists would say everything is atoms. Just trying to put everything in like one sentence will be organized, everything will go, will follow this sentence, and everything will be organized and fixed. Everything is atoms. Everything is water. The Jewish philosophy are trying to describe God. The competition is who will come with less attributes for God. And the nominees are Echad, Kol Yachol, Immunipotent, Okay, exist, but don't talk too much about God because something beyond something that you can describe in language and give attributes to the mystical uh, experience. I would describe it <coughs> is the opposite, kind of an opposite. May m- meaning trying to describe God in many ways. Don't reduce it to one; it would be very boring to say, God exists, that's it, God is one. It's interesting, it's strong, it's good, but it's not enough for human being life. Because we see around us all kinds of things, different things. For example, we see around us, <coughs> grace, giving, charity, I love you, holding, restraining, not now, and this and this time, and this and this place, I don't want to give you, let's keep it. We see opposites around us in life. We see also Zachar and Ekiva. We see female and masculine, men and men. We see up and down. We see abstract and concrete. We see all kinds of things around us. And then Kubalim wanted to speak with about God in an appropriate way, but to keep those kind of interesting things that we see life around us. So they kept the Yud Gimel Midot that we know from Chazal, <laughs> things that we, see, we say in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Yud Gimel Midot, um, and they want to keep it and they want to speak about it and they leave the transcendent part of God under the name En Sof, and fine with the philosophers because everything you want to say is okay that you can't basically describe, that you can't put into words as the kabbalists would say, late machshavat fis the mind can't catch it so you leave it to the Ensof. and then you have this ten that are a big drama and this is a kind of interesting thing now to start to speak about all these kohot lemala, lemata yamin, small, grace, and uh, how do, uh, how do, which one said, gevura, din, okay, chesed, as din in and Ekeva. interesting drama, now it's starting to be exciting. So this is what we see, and when I spoke before of laor b'or and ahar yotzeh me'eden, that's what I spoke about, because you can't be part of laor Orbe with just a concept that you can't basically describe and can't attach to, can't link yourself to. But you can if you describe God in this, uh, under these uh, kochot. So this is the last thing I'm going to say and about the Zohar. Now I want to go to the Tameh Amitrot of the Zohar because this is the topic. And Tameh thought of the Zohar, I will ask, I will start with... Um, A friend of mine called me before and said, what are you going to speak about, Andresha? And and I said, about Tamea Mitzvot in the Zohar. And she said, really? And I said, yes. And she said, Mitzvot in the Zohar? What's the the connection, Mitzvot and the Zohar? The Zohar is like a (coughs) mystical book. I guess, she said, she thought, it's you know experiencing. It's like a kind of meditating. It's a you want to be away from life, from its vote, from you know time, constraints of times and places. This thing you do three times. Here you bow. Here you straight yourself. This time you eat the meat, but you have to wait six three hours. This you eat in pesta like. What else? all this has to do with the spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that this is, was um, when Judith invited me. Actually, I love this topic because for me, the most interesting thing is to see how a very unique and interesting experience can combine. In the real life. Because otherwise, it's not interesting. Because if it's a, you know, a spiritual thing, I have to live life, I don't like it, because I like life. And if it's not, so it's not interesting, because I want to see in the river, Nahar Yotem Eden. I'm bored to see the Hudson River. I'm not. But, you know, I would like to think sometimes about this verse, Nahar Yotem Eden, as a verse for life so for me it's the most interesting thing to see in this uh, amazing uh, experience spiritual book to see it together to see it combined together now I would say something that will come later to it and I will claim something and my claim will be a sign we will see it it's not my original thought the Kabbalah succeeded mainly in this meaning Jewish life is about practice Jewish life, I know in America there are all kinds of, Jewish life is very about practice. Christianity is less, Islam is less, Buddhism is less. Jewish life is about practice. As the Shulchan Aruch said in the beginning, you wake up in the morning, you have to be like a lion to make, to, to uh, obey God's will. I never feel like a lion when I wake up in the morning sometimes I feel like a cat but you have to you know and then you go follow the day everything is very structured everything is about doing action action so I would claim that the Kabbalah succeeded because it gave the Jewish people and it's a whole kind of lecture. Of why the Kabbalah succeeded in such an, an, a magnificent way that a book that is written in Aramaic that no one can understand <laughs> is becoming
1: the secondary
0: to uh, sometimes to Torah? Some of the communities around the world, when you you, you put a zohar into a shul, you're doing a whole a of festivals outside. You know, like a sefer Torah, you put. That's that's what they do in Morocco, for example and many people having this Zohar in the house reciting the Zohar doesn't understanding a word but nevertheless became a, such a canonical book this is a kind of a different lecture but just saying this for Tameh Mitzvot. the Kabbalah succeeded because it gave the mitzvot, the praxis a meaning that philosophy in the same time, I'm talking about the couldn't do, meaning in this age the Talmud wasn't enough in kind of a way there needed to be something that will deal with what's going on the Kabbalah gave a story for this, the philosophy gave a story to this, when I'm saying philosophy I'm speaking about of Sead Yedon and especially Maimonides that I will bring him here for example but the Kabbalists is in bringing something that gives peop- that gives people a tremendous amount of interesting world behind the Mitzvot, and that's what we are going to see. So that's that's it for now, and I want to read with you. Yeah, yeah. If I, I, I'm doing like kind of uh, jumping now to the text, if you have any question, yeah. the, uh, in the shorish, but, uh, is You're absolutely right, the word Ta'am in the Kabbalist and, and later in the Hasidism that has a very interesting and strong connection to Kabbalah found the word Ta'am which is in Hebrew reason and taste. Is one of the uh, thing to mention. Uh, the Taste and see how pleasure good is God. And uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I want to go with you, um, before we go to the hard stuff, <laughs> I want to read with you a nice, a kind of a nice opening for the Zohar, trying to understand what the Zohar is trying to do. Um, as we spoke now so this is a a paragraph from the Zohar that basically brings a fable about a person okay you can read it you see that you have basically three languages on the same page you have the original language is Aramaic for the Zohar and then you have the Hebrew translation Uh, many of the translation in Hebrew made by Ishayahu Tishvi which was a friend of Gershon Sholem a person that decided in the middle of his life to call himself Hatishbi, okay. and you have the English translation uh, now there's an excellent translation in English uh, currently done by Daniel Matt um, now it's just in Parashat Bereshit I think they come up till Vayetze but not more but it's a project for life I know he got a grant from a lady it's very interesting because in history uh... Some people were very interested in the Kabbalah, but they couldn't read it. So some people decided that they're going to pay somebody else to translate the Zohar to their language. It happened in the Renaissance time, for example, in Italy. Somebody wanted very much to read this book that the Jews like. So he was willing to pay a lot of money for somebody else to translate Basically, what's going now with Daniel Matt translation? One lady decided that she's eager to study the Zohar, but she can't. She can't read it not in Aramaic, not in Hebrew. So she decided she will pay Danny Matt, a very uh, prominent professor, just to sit, not to write anything else, just to sit and to translate the in the the uh, the Zohar. So Matt, this is
2: look, last
0: name. Matt. Matt. M A T T. Like shach Matt mat. When he finished the book he would say mat. Okay. So this is, uh, this is the story. You can read it in, uh, in English. ben adam ben A person lived in the mountain. He didn't know about the city. He ate wheat and he ate a very simple bread. Whatever was brought to him he ate. Then pers- somebody gave him another different good delicious bread and he said oh I like it what is made of? they said it's from the wheat that you used to eat, the simple wheat that you used to eat, You you know that in ancient time was opposite from today like grain bread it is very fancy it was a very simple bread and a nice bread was a wheat very not healthy bread okay so this is basically gives us the the idea so everything that they gave him he liked and he said what is it made of and they all say from the wheat that you ate they gave him uh, a nice oil and he said, uh, he said what is it made of and he say, they said from, from the sweet and honey whatever and I want to come up to this line that says he said Of course, I'm the owner of everything. But I eat the ikah. I I eat the main thing of everything. Because I eat the wheat. I eat the wheat itself. Shehuchita. And now, the Zohar is saying this thing. Because this attitude of this person, He didn't know. He didn't taste. The pleasure of the world. He lost the opportunity to taste a different nice taste because every time he ate just plain wheat then the Zohar summarize and say kach mi shetofes haklal and I spoke before about philosophy wants to take one klal to make a reduction to everything kach mi shetofes haklal velo yada bekol haidunim shemoilim so too the one who takes that, just the principle. And he doesn't taste the <coughs> all the pleasure-ness. <laughs> Basically this story is speaking about what the Zohar wants to say. The Zohar wants to say that you can eat bread the entire life. You can eat a plain, a plain bread the entire life, and be satisfied with, if you're in the mountain. But if you want to taste something else, come with me. If you want to taste a bread with honey, come with me. If you want to taste a bread with oil, come with me. This is not a nice or a good thing to stay with a plain thing. It's better to taste something else. It's better to taste a different thing and not to think that what you have is the Torah and be satisfied with, because that's how you will be a primitive, I don't know, person that lives in the mountain. If you want to taste this pleasureness of the world, come with me. It's a seductive story. Come, if you're interested in this, come and join me. Why I'm saying this? Because the Zohar is very interested in all kinds of bread, not in the plain bread. It's interested <coughs> with the bread with honey and with the bread with oil. That's meaning that the Torah and the Mitzvot can be a plain bread. You open, you have your halakha, that's what you have to do. But if you're interested, not just to taste from the ikal, from the klal, but you're interested to go in, to dig in, and to taste from a mixture of wheat and honey, so this is what are we going to do. I'm giving you the, the perspective of the Zo now about the mitzvot, and you can guess that the Zo will be very interested in giving us all kinds of pleasureness which is basically varied experiences about the mitzvot not every mitzvah is the same and not every mitzvah is coming to do one thing as the Raman for example said to direct our mind to the truth every mitzvah has its own uniqueness every mitzvah has its own honey and oil some mitzvah has this some mitzvah has this come join us for this journey of a different mitzvot that everyone is speaking about different things. If you take the diagram of the Setirot, you can see it again. Very distinct. It's not one. It's not Hashem Echad. It's Keter, it's Chochma. It's Gvora, it's Bina. It's Chesed, it's Malchut. Come join us. So this is the Rosh we say in Hebrew, the Rosh, the attitude of the Zohar, giving us as various, as much as we can. And I will summarize it with a, with a sentence God is in the details. We love the details. We don't like the principles, lechem. We love the details. Um, So much, so much like the details that the Zohar sometimes will disconnect two words in Hebrew that has the same meaning. He loves doing so. Why? Because he loves details. For example, the word derech has a synonym in Hebrew, which is orach. The Zohar picks up on this thing. I'm just giving you an example of the thousand examples in this book, and basing a drasha on this, the difference between derech and orach. Derech is a path that everyone <coughs> you say steps in. Orach is a different is a past path that no one stepped in before. We can say that the derech is about derech la-Torah some derech some that everyone stepped <laughs> in and a derech that no one ever stepped in and I bring you back to their hobby of finding new things in the Torah dracheya-Torah torah there's a path to the Torah so um, this is basically how the Zohar likes the details introduction to the mitzvot, you've seen a very detailed meaning to every detail of the mitzvah, trying not to say one thing about the mitzvah, but on the contrary, finding honey and oil in every mitzvah. Yes? A road not taken? this, This is the... This is one of the poems that I had to study in Israel for the Begut in English. So I remember it It made <laughs> a, I was a to
1: great to impression. About, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lawyers, uh, you, see, you know, every, um, in, in a very detailed
2: way.
0: Right. I said we started with a vision of Yecheskel, so it's about everything. And we'll see it. Uh, the Zohar likes the sensation it's a very sensual book Uh, we will see it the fact that Chazal already mentioned that the number of the mitzvot are 613 For, for the sages it wasn't an arbitrary number but they found a connection between this number to the number of the limbs of the human body Ramach mitzvot aseh. There's 248 mitzvot aseh. And there's the same lot as a Gidim, which are the, I don't know how you say Gidim in Hebrew, in English. Say gidim. The string, the kind of a string that we have in the body. Engines. Whatever, you'll say Gidim. You know, there's a limb and there's something in between that connects. Whatever. Okay? So this is Ramach know. Evarim Beshasa Gidim. The fact that mitzvot are in the numbers of the human limbs was very important for the Zohar because the Zohar um, loves the body and he feels that mitzvot has something to do with the baddiness of a human being. It's not a meditative thing. It's not an intellectual thing, mitzvot. Rather, it's something that combines to the body of the human being. I will come back to it later. Let's now do a kind of... Uh, small uh, Chavruta, and let's go to the more hardcore of, uh, of the Zohar. What you have in front of you is uh, a passage that's called Aseret HaDibrot, fascinating passage. It's basically, do a fascinating thing that I would like you to try to figure out. Um, let's give to it like a kind of 10-15 minutes for you to read and try to understand. I, you know, I didn't draw a kind of a guiding questions but try to analyze, you know, what's the details and what's the, co- the big concept. Or in other words, how the details bring up the big concept that the Zohar wants to say about a seret adibrot. You know, a has this five thing and five thing, five dibrot and five dibrot. But the Zohar wants to say um, that the five left dibrot are basically based on the five de Dibrot. It's kind of an amazing way of thinking about the Dibrot, but uh, I will give you now 10-15 minutes, I will see what's going on, uh, in order you to get uh, through this uh, passage by yourself. By the way, I, I don't know, there's a two options of studying. There's a library kind of studying, there's a bet Midrash. One is very silent, you can't walk, you can't sneeze, you can't do anything, you can breathe. The other one is be very noisy. So, I myself, I like the big midrash noisy things, so feel free.
1: It's good
0: when we speak about body and mitzvot. Try to um, to uh, say it out loud to yourself and try to study it with you. know, pair up to whatever is convenient to you. I would like to get us back after uh, a little bit of uh, digging into uh, the Zohar. And for sure you can, you know, you can experience the different minds, like the when I, what I call chidush, like a kind of a really innovating thinking about things. And um, in the concept, you know, of taking this five vibrots and putting the rest of on them and trying to do something with this. So um, I would like to understand basically is trying to do uh, first about the divorce and then thinking about the connection between the divorce and the other mitzvot you know if you can put everything on something else (coughs) it's like amazing what you can find you know it's like a mirror that you can put a mirror in a mirror and it can be like infinite in terms of what you can find in those passages so just having this, you know, this uh, taste, ta'am, that we're speaking about, of what's the Zohar kind of mood, you know, in his writings, it's just fascinating to take, I don't know, everyone is going to a shul and seeing the Yasseret HaDibrot, and we know that the five is Ben Adam Lamakom, basically, and the other five is Ben Adam and basically all the Torah itself is Ben Adam Lamakom, Ben Adam L'chavro, and then you come to the Zohar passage about speaking that basically mitzvot ben adam l'chavirot can I know what to call it can sit on mitzvot ben adam l'makom and giving a commentary to every each of them having maybe the point that is similar between the two what's the point of the Zohar what's his attitude to mitzvot and the status that he in doing so let's go to the text itself and let's try to understand basically uh, you know, the, foul, the, the, the flow the Nahar of the Zohar itself and then going to the, back to the big question the big question is what's the mitzvot what's the notion of the mitzvot that comes up from this passage and what's the connection between Aseret HaDibrot and the mitzvot and what's the connection between mitzvot ben Anam and mitzvot ben Anam so, this is the big question, but let's go now and, uh, and try to understand what basically the Zohar is trying to say, because even every has a big, a big idea in every, each of the devote here. So, Shanoi Again, I'm reading it in, into he- in Hebrew. It's not the original, the original is in Aramaic. And you have Tishbi's translation to Hebrew and then the English. I'm stopping here because I like to read. Sometimes you know, like the Zohar. Don't rush. Take a minute. Because on the on the starting of this passage, basically the Zohar bringing up the idea. Or maybe maybe we read it and we forget. But basically, there's an idea that you can find everything in something that is is very limited, or you can find. A lot of things in something that is very limited. I'm saying this is the concept of the Zohar itself, saying, you know, there's a world. There's a lot of more. And basically, you see very, various things, try to think about other things, this kind of a kivun, a direction. ele acherim. Vaday t'och so basically we mean Anokhi Shemelokecha and then Lo tzach. And what's the similarity between the two? Like what gives the, we'll say permission to take Anokhi Hashem This is the first thing. According to many of the Puskim, the first mitzvah, the first mitzvah, Ram HaMintsefer Mitzvot is the first mitzvah, Anokhi Hashem And saying basically it's Lo tzach. So what's the idea? What gives the permission to say so? Fascinating idea. Basically, how can you connect Anochi Hashem and What's the connection? What's two different things. Anochi Hashem is about God. is about the first, you know, basic human being. Um, structure of life. It's like a basic thing about human being. What is about? So, what's the concept here uh, behind the thing? Yes? <coughs> so in our soul. So we are connected to Hashem. Hashem, Yom, think of he peace, like, earth, and, man, and waters, he is in a way dependent
2: on us a way to, to follow this the world and prove it. So, there's an absolute connection. So, if you killed a man, you killed
0: that part of Hashem, Okay, nice. Basically, interesting, there is a similarity between human being and God. <coughs> what philosophy, trying all the time to push and to open the gap, basically the Zohar brings up an idea that there is a similarity between human being and God, and not so much about the soul because there's no world word here. Like but
1: there's a telling.
0: which is basically the body. So the human body, killing a human body, is in to some extent killing a part of God, which is not. It's not an original uh, idea of the soul. It comes from the Midrash. Basically, there's something uh, uh, divine in a human. I would say body. And if you kill somebody, human being, basically you, in the sages' phrase, memaet et You do sing God's image in the world. Every one of us is like a kind of an image, small image of God. Some of you remember the pasuk, ki Elohim talui. You are not allowed to leave a body hang, because the explanation is ki kilelat Elohim talui. Elohim Talui, something divine in the body. That's why Chazal are very interested in that. Even though they have a killing punishment, can okay, the body should stay and not be destroyed. There's something divine in the human body, and therefore, Hashem Kecha has to do with motzilzah. The is not spiritual. I'm
2: saying it's. Physical. I'm
0: saying it's uh, I, I read it as something with the body. And I read it, you know, as, as in a continuation for other people that read sages. I, I mentioned now about the hanged person and Masachet Sanhedrin uh, that brings, uh, brings up all kinds of death penalty but that keeps the body uh, not destroyed and brings this thing, Memaet Admut, okay? Memaet Admut, there's something divine in the human body. There's a lot to talk um, Uh, you can, I want to give you like a kind of uh, not nice uh, uh, images, but you can cut the bud you can throw it and it will um, smash, how you say? or you can keep it as a whole part it's a whole masachat samadrin discussion about how to make, how to act how to um, basically enact lemamesh uh, onish maavet there's is maavet, there's killing Opportunity, but how do you keep the body? I'm saying there's something. You're absolutely sure with your question. It's a whole big thing about it. There's a new book now, B'Tselem. You can read about this. It's a whole discussion. But I'm just bringing the nice idea that maybe we don't want to think about body and God, but definitely the Zohar brings it. And I'm saying it's a sage's tradition to speak about Demut Adam as part of God. Masechet Sanhedrin has this all all over. Okay, A Baruch Hu bara Adam bechotamoh, and we everyone is a, a different. A, okay, so this is one idea. This is not our topic now. So let's go further. Okay, Lo um, yelcha. You see the psukim Ki betzalel elokim asayt Adam, or lestichachze baze talui. He brings us the pesuk Shofech Dama Adam baAdam Adam Moi Shofech, and he wants to read the Adam. The second word Adam is basically God. Shofech da adam damo'i adam da moei shafech. He basically, again, he reads it in a very systematic way, the whole psukim here. I don't want to go into it. It's a, you are absolutely right. It's a whole big topic. Let's go further. Lo yelcha, keneged lotin af. I found it very interesting. What's the similarities between lo yelcha and lotin af? This is between a wife and a husband, and this is between God and you. You're going out very nice the way to phrase it, you're going outside of relationship, okay? Um, you are betraying in somebody, you are lying to somebody. Again, going back to the fact that this How do you say ni in English? Min off, how do you say it in English? Is that the word? been off to sleep with somebody else. Adultery. Yeah. Okay? So basically brings up a new baby to the world. And as we said before, every human being is a kind of a stamp of God in the world. We bring up a new baby to the world, which basically his 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 born was under a line. A person who lies to his wife, or wife that lies to her husband, basically can lie to God. It's the same thing. It's about lying. It's about not being honest. Again, trying to make the link systematically. Yes? Yeah.
1: Yes? Yeah?
0: They are from the book of Kishbi yes. yes. Oh no, 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 absolutely not. There has the no. Place, place. Yeah.
2: This that, uh,
0: it's a, it's it's a, it's a Rosh a emotion. A okay. You say,
1: if the answer, Tishpe's are our. The
0: Zo has no footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> has a lot of foot, a lot of foot, and a lot of, of notes, but has no footnotes. Okay, this is the whole thing. No, it's it's the, the translation and Tishbit Yeah, yeah. Okay, brit is also roshem, but I think we have to read it also in the passage before, which basically says that human being, the body of human being, is roshem of hashkadosh baruch Okay, then Lotisa keneged loti Okay, it's about. Lishavu ala
1: saying
0: God's name for vain, because Ganad has to lishavu uh, ala sheker and Lotisa don't say the word of God for vain. Let's go to Zechora yom Shabbat. Keneged lota anebereachah. What's the similarity here? yom Shabbat, lota anebereachah et sheker. One stands on the other. What's, this, what's the point? What's the essence of the thing? Okay. So uh, Shabbat is about witnessing you say? Testimony, yeah? So that? A witness of the creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why we stand on Shabbat on Kiddush, Lel Shabbat, like a witness coming, that's why we stand. It's about giving a witness testimony, yeah? We know that God created the world. Basically this is the Rambam um, idea about Shabbat. Shabbat is about giving a testimony. That we agree, that we admit, that we take upon ourselves that this idea that God created the world is, is the truth. Okay, um, I'm doing it very fast. What's, the, what's here the, the point to hold these links? Av and Av, okay, basically wants to say there's a father, but there's a father too, okay? the sages are saying three people are created human beings. the father also. okay? Um. that's it. Now I want to say something about you know this kind of uh, com- commentary. Some might be, you know doesn't like this kind of thing. Meaning, you know, you're bringing me this thing and that thing. It is so far away. You're trying to link something. So, you know, I, I have nothing to say about this. I think it's a kind of uh, maturity in seeing what his commentary is about. But I think that the Zohar brings up a very... Uh, he, he, he succeeded in pulling up an idea that basically uh, turns a concept together. Some less, some more. Basically, there's an essence in uh, there's, a, there's a, something that is really linked. You know, shekel is something in life. You can, you can lie to your friends, uh, husband, family. You can lie to yourself. You can lie to God. Maybe it's this, Maybe in, in in the core of the things has something in the same. I want to ask before we go further. So what does it tell, tell us about Aseret HaDivrot and the way the Zohar view mitzvot? Let, let's take Aseret HaDivrot, you know, as a, as a core of the mitzvot, as Chazal takes it. Basically saying Aseret HaDivrot is the core of the Tariyad mitzvot. Somebody numbered the letters and came up of Tariyad. So what's the concept of of this, putting the left side on the right side? What do you think the idea here? Um, In terms of how do you attitude towards mitzvot? Like, it's fascinating and new idea, for sure, but what does it add add to our concept of mitzvot? When you say such a... Yes. Excellent. So basically what you're saying is as follows. We know the the distinguish between mitzvot sikhliot. mitzvot that everyone can understand. I once saw a a movie named Naraya, about Eskimosis. I know somebody saw this movie, made a great impression on me, Uh, taking his father when he was, I don't know, 80, to the top of the snowing mountain. So I don't know oh, what's to after not, this movie. Um, it's based on what here. It's an, uh, um. I think the name of the movie was Narayama. It's about the Eskimosi tradition, taking uh, the parent as a kibudorim in the age of 80, to the top of a snowing mountain, leaving him there um, and going down the mountain. So I don't know about kibudorim, you know, it's like, it, it shocked me, <laughs> but... Um, Basically, you're right. So there's a distinguish between mitzvot, you know, that we can understand. What you call moral, you know, moral mitzvot. Get the society and family and everything organized. Uh, versus mitzvot at al
1: that
0: basically we can't really maybe understand or give a reasonable sociological, ethical meaning. Very famous distinguish mitzvot sikhliot and mitzvot shimiyot. Something that you can understand, reasonable Shimiyot. Yeah, you hear, you do what you hear. seven ishma. We don't ask. We seven ishma. So I'm saying it starts. It starts with chazal, Chukim, and mishpatim. This definition. Chukim is something that you can't ask, like paraduma or shatnez. Why you can't interwoven two part of uh, materials? It's something that you can't give an explanation. As opposed to mishpatim, which makes sense. Look at Tarashat mishpatim, how to treat a slave and how to whatever. So we have in the stages chukim and mishpatim. We have later rafse adi ga'on sichliot and shimiyot. It's a very well-known definition. Distinguish. It's what that you can understand. It's what you can understand. What you are saying is amazing. Basically, you are saying what the Zohar is doing. You know, we can say okay, it puts everything on everything. But what we see. Basically, it reduced Oh, it um, it shrinks. Our our understanding of mitzvot as benadam lechaveru, in putting it on benadam lechavur, basically we're saying in every mitzvah that we are doing, in terms of ethical sociological mitzvah, tzedakah, Ka hasadim, kibud orim, has something in a different in a different world. Okay, this is what I called the zeal trying to. Open up all kinds of things. So when basically you give it the ka, I don't think we have time to do it. Basically, it's what do we do when we give the ka. Basically, we are kind of doing something in the divine world because in the divine world is also the big sefirot and the last sefirot is malchut, which described as a poor. Malchut is poor. It's this world. It's lack. It's absent. It's not complete. And it's not perfect. And what do we do when we give the Ka to this poor person? We basically identify with the Shekhinah, which is the poor aspect of the world. Amazing. You give it to the Ka to somebody, you see his poor face, and basically the all say, think about now the world as lacking and absent and poor, and what you do is basically doing something also in the upper world which is basically what the Zohar wants us to think about mitzvot again everything that you do in this world Adam l'chavero can be it also has to do something with the divine world sheker here is a sheker there okay retzach here murdering somebody here is basically reducing the God's image the God's existence the God's selim. Basically, that's what the Zohar wants us to do. It's a kind of interesting challenge to see this world as a kind of joining, part in the other world. So much he wants us to do it that he can say that mitzvot bin adam has another meaning and not just the, uh, you know, how do you say it? Constitution, like Locke and Rousseau, and all these philosophers speaks. You give us the Ka, you do sheker. it's something that has to do with the upper world. So don't think that what you do is what you do. What you do is maybe also something else. Maybe it invites you to multiply your conscience about what you're doing. But giving us the Ka, basically, you are identified with a Shekhinah, which is absent, and you know, it has all this feminine image of, of the feminine aspect, also the moon, of a circle life of uh, feminine at all, which is lack and coming back, and lack and coming back, like the moon. The moon has no light from itself, has the light from the sun. So this is the aspect of lacking in in the world. And when you give a ka, you basically participate in this aspect. And you have this conscience about, I'm giving the ka, but there's, a, there's an aspect in life about lack, about absence. So this poor people. With the five dollars, it's not just you know a human being specific phenomena that he, he didn't have he didn't a good day and I'm helping him and I'm feeling good but it has also to do to remember that's a uh, an aspect in life that we have to be aware of. Okay, the one who takes it to a very extreme place, I uh, will mention it now just one minute, is Rabbi Moshe Cordovero in the 16th century. Basically, a huge amount of sifot Musar, an ethical, Kabbalistical ethical literature, is being published. Not just Yid Nefesh that we all sing in Kabbalah Shabbat, <coughs> but those people are living in Spa uh, And they are very interested in one thing. They are interested in fulfilling and acting the Zohar. So what do they do? They go to Tzfat because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is buried there in Meron, next to it. And they basically want to live their life according to this river. And according to... How do you, you fulfill this? Okay, you've got this idea of the river flow. So how do you fulfill it? Basically, they're having a challenge. That's the miss- mission for life. To live every sefirah. And to basically live it in your life. So how do you live? How do you live Sefirat Chesed? Chesed, you give. Chesed in a diagram, Chesed, you give. So it's about giving. It's about Asiyat Chesed. Chesed Shel Emet. You know, Chesed Shel Emet is bearing the death. It's the ultimate Chesed. Chesed that you can't get back. Because this person is dying. He doesn't know you. He won't give it back. He won't give you anything back. So Chesed Chel they so were very interested in Chesed Chel They established a Chavurah Kadisha and they wanted to be very Chesed. I'm speaking about a group of people who basically wanted wanted to imitate the group of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and this kind, and the Zohar was an inspiration for this. So how do you act? How do you act Shchina? How do you act Malchut? Do you act it? you want to be part of it you don't, just, you don't want to speak about the river you want to be part of it the river flows from Eden you want to be part of it so how do you feel, how do you act how you live your life with the concept of Shekhinah so as I explain now about the Ani you're trying to be Ani you know it's not the capitalistic idea you're trying to be Ani you're wandering from a place to a place that's what they did the minhag calls gerushim they used to go outside of the city wandering outside having this uh, feeling of like the shekhinah is wandering in the galut as it says in the sages so how do you act like the sefirot so what we saw here is the root for this if you take every human being action and you try to go through and to see how does it has to do with the other world, with a different Adam, as we saw before. There's a different Adam there. And how this Adam, actually, this Adam, it's the whole way of, of life. So I think you got to the main point of thinking about Mitzvot in the real world and even the ethical aspect of the world, which is, of course, very, very important, but also to see through this, uh, the other world. Lirtzach Mishu is basically reducing God's image. Sheker to your family is basically Sheker. To see it, this is basically what the Zohar is trying um, to do here. Somebody wanted to... Thank you. I guess I guess you're right in what you said, but I'm, I'm interested in, you know, the first stage to see everything is connected. But so this is a little bit, it's nice, but I'm, I'm looking also for the connections, like I'm inspired by the connections, and I'm looking for, the Zohar brings the connection, because in saying everything is everything, you, say, you said nothing, and the Zohar basically brings an interesting idea to think about those links which again I'm saying, some of them are his own innovation, and some are very, very based and rooted in the sages. Another proof to my claim, uh, my previous claim, about the connections between the sages' way of thinking and the chazal, you know, empower some of the ideas, strengthen some of the ideas, like, for example, Telem and D'mut. that is a very uh, interesting thing about Masechah Sanhedrin coming here, in this limud of Sefer Tehillim, I want to finish this uh, reading with you the last the last paragraph of this. The elu chamesh t'arishonim kolalim chamesh achronim mishum kach miimino eshtat lamo. He brings this pasuk, interesting pasuk miimino from the right eshtat lamo. Basically, everything stands on the right. This is a midrash. Basically, if you look at Parashat Tzora. You find the word kolot five times And <coughs> the midrash. is saying the hamisha kolot mitnatorah. Vayikolah shofar am kolot kolot. kolot is two, and then you have another three. It's all five. The hamisha kolot mitnatorah again. Remember this five. This is the this is the core. How do you say? This is the complete. Um, if you take the essence. This is the essence of everything that you see around. And then Amara Biyuda Kulamayu Khamisha to Khamishad. Another concept is coming up. And this is Khamishahum Shaitorah. So we have Esrdi Brot. What else ten here? Dancing around. Esrdibrot. Eser what? What else is Eser for the kabbalist Eser etzbaot. This is why for the Zohar, Ramban brings it also in the commentary. Nesiat kafaim. Kohanim, Nesiat is about ten fingers. But it has to do something with the other ten. What's the other ten? Sefirot, of course. Okay? It has to do something in our mirror um, kaleidoscope kind of thing. The ten etzbaot has, has to do with the ten dibrot has to do with the ten sefirot. has to do with what? Ten? What the Zohar calls Ma'amarot. What's the ten Ma'amarot? It's basically the roots for the concept of ten sefirot. It says in, In ten Ma'amarot. I don't want to say commandment because basically that's Dibrot. But when you say Dibrot, it's Ma'amarot because it's the same word, The Bibra, Imra is something saying. Asarama merot, nivra olam, we count. Midrash rabba counts. Vayom e Rashem e Ior. Vayom Hashem. Rashem, vayom All together, nine. And the first ma'amar, the Bereshit rabbi is saying Bereshit itself is also ma'amar. It's very interesting. So, asarama merot, nivra olam, so it's asar sirod, and asar etzbaot. But now we went to the five. So we said ten is basically the five. Five goes for what? Yamin, okay, and goes also for the. And goes also for the. After going to the Zohar, you know, kind of way of thinking. What? Chesed is Chamisha? No, I'm saying the five. Now I'm going to the number. We did the ten. Ten Sefirot, ten Ma'amarot, ten, um, ten Ma'amarot, ten Sefirot, ten Dibrot. Okay? Now we're going to the five. There's also three things that the Zohar plays. Five is Hamishakhum Shaturah the five is the five of the yamin It basically includes the five of the small. And what's the third five? Five kolot. We just said kolot mitnat Torah. This is a uh famous midrash. Okay. Sana Rabbi Azar, the elu asarama rot ni mitzvot kora mitzwata Now we come to another con basically a serita di burot contains mitzvata tura. That's why there's a forbidden to stand during hearing a Aseret HaDivrot in Shul there was a whole dispute about this because we don't want to say that the Aseret HaDivrot is more important and excluding the Tariyad Mitzvot. Very interesting. As a kid, I remember myself thinking, what's the Aseret HaDivrot has to do when you go to Shul and you see this Aseret HaDivrot and you see it sometimes, you know, in a kind of an artistic way. What has, what's the connection between this and Tariyad Mitzvot? Is this like the essence? Is this like... What's the connection between a adibrot and Tariyad Mitzvot? It's an interesting question The well. What? The
2: crib sheet, a shorthand. I don't know, but can we
0: find it? What? It's an outline. What exactly is the connection between Tariyad Mitzvot and a adibrot? Because it's not. It's not an outline because there's many things here that are not here. So basically now after reading the Zor, I can think, try to think about maybe there is a connection. So, uh, now listen to the list because the list is very long. Why it's long? Because the Zohar likes details. Everything is based. All the concept of Tahara Tum'ah of Gzorot Onashim. Now listen to the image of the tree which the Zohar loves. Anafim and Roots and Branches Ilanot Trees and I, I learned the word Natyot. Shoot. Shoot. Huh? Shoot.
1: Shamay. Yan yam Yan
0: Vetehamot. Okay? And now we come to another concept now. sheharei Hatorah Shmosh Lakadosh Boku. The Torah itself is the name of God. Which basically Rambans as I described you as one of the famous first prominent Kabbalists that brought up the Kabbalah in France. That's his first commentary, in the beginning of his commentary to the Torah, brings this idea. HaTorah is the name of God and all the Kabbalists pick up on this notion. It's not a text, it's not a telephone text, telephone book, you know, it's not text. It's God's name. It's something in that you can read it like this and like this and like this and like this. It's not just like semantic language that people want to communicate with. It's something else. Again, Now we have a triple understanding of this Asaram Amarot. Is Asaram Amarot Shaolam Nivra, Ve'yomer ve'yomer ve'yomer. It's a seirat hadiborot, which is also a sarah ma'amarot, a seirat and it's also aseret seirat hasfirot. The is very interested because this is the way he sees the light through these ten sefirot. The Torah kulo Hashem echad hei, Hashem Hakadosh Lakadosh b'chomash. Mi shezachab haTorah zachab Hashem Hakadosh. Rabbi Yosi says, "The Kadosh b'chomash zachab." Do you have any doubt about what I'm saying? If I'm serious about what I'm saying, yes. I think who owns the Torah owns Hashem. As the phrase later will be very, very common. Also in the Chassidut Kut Shabrikhu Ve'oraita Kadosh B'orchu and the Torah are one. The Torah is basically, I can say, the body of a Baruchu. Not just a human being is image of the Kadosh Bahu, but also the Torah is image of the Kadosh B'orchu okay it's a kind of uh, another glimpse to uh, the Zohar concept of the mitzvot very interesting about what you said about the ethical concept and seeing through and um, our last thing will be Ah, I do have the tzedakah yes I did I did put it here let's do the tzedakah
1: let's do the tzedakah it's beautiful and,
0: and now we the introduction I, I guess it will help you to read the Zohar, about the, you have it in uh, page number 12 no, 11 no. 12, no. 12. Yeah. ok I just want to mention before you go into a Chavruta uh, uh, At two things, just to give you like a kind of a direction. One that basically some of the words that we know what we're talking about, the Zohar has a different idea. For example, the words "sakai mishpat" or "tzedeku mishpat," for the Zohar has to do with the sefirot. Okay, "tzedeku mishpat" has to do with the sefirot. It's not just a word to describe what we know is "sakai mishpat," going to a judge in court. It's also midah of the divine world. It's a kind of... HaKadosh Baruch Hu oset HaKadosh Baruch Hu mishpat. Okay? So again, it's not just the human being field, arena. It's also a different arena. But it's so interesting that it's the same. It's not to say this one that you see, it's not what you see, it's something else. It's not to say what you see is what you see but there's another layer to it. This is what the Zohar wants to open. He wants to open up a different world and to keep the other world. Don't skip it. The Ka is a very, very important thing. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it's also a kind of mida in the world. And Asiyat Taka is also a divine, divine Midah. So let's read this thing. Another, just another, um, another thing here uh, is that first time we meet Rabbi Shimon in uh, the second uh, paragraph we meet Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. not just that we meet him we meet him in a very touching moment we meet him in, a, in the moment that he's, he cries Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is the hero of the Zohar but this hero cries a lot Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai cries a lot why do you cry? you cry because you are excited this is what I call in the beginning a mystical wish. It's not a wish, you know. Wish I have hundred dollars. Wish I have this dress. It's a wish that makes you really being excited. You're very excited to get this wish. So if sometimes you have to, you experience having this experience of laor beor Hashem, so you you're very excited. So we will hear in the Zohar that by your Rabbeinu cries, he falls. He speaks in a very, like, emotionally way. People around him, his chavura, will say all kinds of emotional expression. Hi, vaday, oh, wish we, um, we are so happy we came to this world just to hear this Dvar from you. They're very excited. It's also something that is very, very unique for the Zohar. You won't find the Ram saying, Oh, I'm so excited. That I got this idea of Hashem Echad. I'm not excluding, you know, the Gamre. He does. He has a pathos. It's, it's, it's not true to say that the Rama was um, has a pathos. But this pathos is sometimes overflowed. So B'chara B'Shimon I just want to read it with you one minute, B'chara B'Shimon and listen to this because it, it's going to be repeating in the Zohar many times. You can read this uh, and see the verses Hebrew in English. B'chara b'Shimun ve'Amar, Oy lahem livnei Adam. How do you mitargem Oy? I'm very interested. Such a Jewish word, Oy. How do you how do you translate the Oy? Alas. Alas.
1: Whoa. Whoa. Oy.
0: Sounds very poor to me. Oy. B'chara b'Shimun ve'Amar, Oy lahem <laughs> livnei Adam. Oy lahem <laughs> livnei Adam. Shenam yodim. They konam to human beings that they're not seeing basically what there is to see. Basically everyone can see it. But they're lucky person that can see through, they can see. And there are people that their eyes are open but they cannot see through them. And Mi Yom who does create it Hashem Shema Kadosh, the holy name, every day. Can you see the other the other you know the other part of this? How do you create God's name in the world? How do you fulfill God's name, the holy name in the world? You give it the Ka. So it's on the other side. Not that you give it the Ka, you think about the divine. If you think about the divine and you want to act the divine in this world, give the car. Give the car. What it has to do with Hashem. He doesn't give the he's beyond money, has no bill in the bank. What, what has to do with this? This is fulfilling God in the world. You give the car. That's how you basically bring God to the world. It's not you know, it's not a sentence that you put on a placard or a postcard. We believe in this, we believe in this. You do something. How do you do it? You give the car. this is the other side link between this world and the divine world from the other side. So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is crying and basically letting us, the readers of the Zohar, the disciples of the Zohar, to understand that there is something here to think about. I'm saying it's like a kind of a trick, it's a literal trick to get us into awareness of what's going on. I told you something and something you read by yourself but now Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is crying and now we listen to him. And he said this, you know, phrase, So now we are shaping our hearing. Can you say so? We, shaping our, we, we get to another mood of awareness. Oh, there's something to listen here. You listen, but try to listen. Like he said himself, You see, but try to see more. They're waking eyes, but they're sleeping. It's very common to the Zohar to wake us, as the readers, to what it has to say. So now I'll give you all, again, it's a very beautiful piece. Um, try, again, the tzedek, mishpat, daka is a human action, but it has also to do with the divine. So give you now another uh, 15 minutes to get through this uh, ka piece, which is beautiful. And try again to understand the drasha, the details, and then to go into
1: the larger idea. Yes.
2: Um, what is the a okay.
0: So let me let me uh, do two things because I I've been asked here a question before, and I think it will it's an important question, and I'll come to uh, Adina to your question the first question was about uh, somebody didn't understand that I said Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he wrote the Zohar or Rabbi Moshe Di Leon with the group wrote the Zohar I just want to clear it up very shortly the book of the Zohar has no author there's no author to the book of the Zohar no name um, and basically it's Meyuchas relate to Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai and he is the main figure as we meet him here. What I said is as follows the Sefer Azzel tried to present itself as a Tanaik source, the Talmudic source. As if Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai and his friends are basically saying what they're saying in the Talmud. There's the, again a big dispute. Many books were written. Who wrote the Zohar? Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, Rabbi Moshe I don't know, so I want to clear up what I said before. From my perspective, Rabbi Shimon Baruchai himself didn't write this, what we are reading. Who wrote this? Probably Rabbi Moshe Leon with a group of people that were fascinated by the mystical tradition from the Talmud. Meaning, I'm saying, this book itself is not a Tanaik source, as there are my people that can think. It's a 13th century book, but this book contains and brings up, as I'm trying to show you almost every step here, traditions from the Talmud. It preserves mystical traditions from the Talmud that I introduced you in the beginning. It empowers them, it them. it brings them beautifully, it flowers them, but it basically it preserves things from the Talmud and explore them and, you know, bring them up in a very uh, beautiful and delightful, to my taste, um, here. So Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai here, I guess, Rabbi Moshe Leon wanted to put Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai as a main figure and to put in his mouth what he's saying here, which is not completely new thing, but basically preserved things that we saw. Why Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai was chosen to be the main thing, you know, according to tradition, he was in the cave cave and study what did he do there in the cave he took his clothes away he dig himself a place for him and for his son That basically the figures of the Zohar this is another lecture in uh, on lagba Omer that we will give and basically uh, study Torah according to the Talmud source he studied Torah and this is basically what he comes with like the secrets of the Torah you're staying in the cave studying the secrets of the Torah Okay, so this is one question. Now, i your question. What's the connection between Tariyad and Selesa Divorce? I don't know. Um, it's interesting, but I think that the Zohar brings up something. What he brings up, what he wants to describe, as we saw, that you can look at things and see other things. Like he wants to put the five left on the five right. And he wants to put Hamishach Hum as... This is a which he reduced into five. And he wants to say, basically, that it, it includes everything. If you can say that Lot Tirzach has to do with Anuchiya Hashem in the point of Memaetet admut, reducing God's image in the world, so it's inspired to think about connections now between the mitzvot and a seret or between the concept of Benadam Lachav so Aseret HaDibrot, it can be the essence of Tariyag Mitzvot. It can be a Tariyag Mitzvot, you can think about Tariyag Mitzvot as, as to Aseret HaDibrot. It's now, that's, that's basically what you want to, to say. That you have now to think about the connection between Tariyag Mitzvot and Aseret HaDibrot. As I, the Zohar, showed you to do it with the five and the five maybe you'll find something and the image is a tree a tree, a branch with a tree maybe you'll find the connections between the mitzvot maybe it's not such a separate 613 mitzvot maybe there's a concept there maybe the concept of lie and truth holds up, I don't know 58 mitzvot maybe maybe the concept of reducing God's image in the world holds 18, and 18 mitzvot so now you bring up an idea and you have to try to figure out what, is it, what does it mean. Okay, so let's do now this, the Dakar eh, piece for the 15-Kar eh, minutes. try again to understand the details. Don't, don't mislead with the words. Try to think sometimes the words, um, you, you read
1: Dakar, but it's meant to a divine mida. So try to
0: not to miss this too.